You're listening to Campfire Conversations, brought to you by Three Rivers Land Trust, committed to conservation. So we're going to give our shout out to our sponsor and buddies over at Backcountry and Beyond. Thank you to any listeners who swung by and saw those guys based on our last episode. But uh, if you haven't been by there yet, you should go by there now. They're running a couple of sales. Jeff called and uh, told me the other day they were running a sale for folks. 30% off Yeti products. Uh, I don't know if that's everything. I know it was all colors from last year. And they're running 30% off on those uh, Yeti bottles, which you could kill someone with if you needed to in a pinch. Yeah, but more more importantly, the things that you should be buying there, <clears throat> Quiet Cat. Just go over there and pick you up a quick Quiet Cat. A quick one? Yeah, just get you one. Just get you one now. Don't even think about it. You need one. How about a paddle board? Don't, don't think. Just go. <laughs> just, just do it. <laughs> No, they have a, they have an awesome selection. We talked a lot about their we talked a lot about their socks in the last episode, but um, which is still hands down my favorite product they they've got the one I like the most as far as stuff I use a lot. I don't know, man. I got their Thermacell. I use all the time. It's about to be Thermacell season two. Um, so the Thermacells getting ready for springtime and summer when the bugs start coming out, which is right around the corner. If you aren't if you're in the outdoors and you're not running a Thermacell. Um, you're messing up. And then they also have, like, if you're using them a lot, like we both are, refill cartridges, all that stuff that you need um, to run that thermocell. They have that there. You can buy it in the store and get it, you know, today. So um, go check them out. they got a lot of cool stuff. And, Backcountry uh, and Beyond. Go to their website. You know, if you can't make it to the store, I recommend going to the store if you can go. It's super sweet setup, and they're going to be able to – talk to you and they'll talk you into some cool gear yeah and if you but if you can't backcountryandbeyond.com is um just a great place to get those deals too yeah for all our listeners overseas i'm sure they'll ship internationally for all our listeners overseas oh we got a few got a handful a few yeah Yeah. so they'll ship internationally and if not then you can blame me and i'll make the land trust cover the cost (laughs) (laughs) that's a huge sorry travis weird statement (laughs) i don't know i don't know if we're doing that or not but maybe we will (laughs) Um, sorry about that, Travis. Yeah, <laughs> Travis didn't come in here. We ain't covering the cost of nothing. Um, anyways, let's talk about uh, let's talk about what we did uh, Friday, Valentine's Friday. Let's talk mm. about let's talk about it was a first for you. Yeah, my Valentine's Day was um, a first in many different ways. Uh, but before you get too excited, that's rabbit hunting. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, uh, we. Had, we had we had such a good time. Our our good friend um, and local Salisbury gentleman Ralph um, took us out on a rabbit hunt, which you've done plenty of in the past, well, and you I, can you can give a great breakdown of yeah. rabbit hunting in the South. This is my first time ever rabbit hunting with dogs. I've gone rabbit hunting like the dumb way to go rabbit hunting and the slow way to go rabbit hunting, but this was a whole different experience, man. <laughs> it was so it was so much fun. Um, so give a quick breakdown of rabbit hunting in, in the southeast. Okay, first, so say you hadn't been rabbit hunting the other day. Yeah. What's When you hear someone say rabbit hunting, what's the first image that pops in your head? Are you, are you saying before? Before the other experience? day, yeah. Um, <clears throat> walking through a thicket. I think for most people it's Elmer Fudd. Okay. Like, sure. Elmer Fudd situation. Mm-hmm. 
That's not it. That's not real. That's cartoonish, and it is a cartoon. It's not. We're not out there Elmer Fudd Bugs Bunny. Yeah, sure. Um, but rabbit hunting. No ear flaps on our hats. <laughs> no, there were no ear flaps to be seen yeah. the other day. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying those hats are bad. It's just we didn't have them. Uh, but, yeah, rabbit hunting in the south, our western listeners are going to think it's weird because, you know, rabbits aren't necessarily a game animal out west. They're more of a pest, I guess, in western states. And they also don't regard the cottontail as the table fare that we do in the south. Um, Southerners, it's been long southern tradition of rabbit hunting because traditionally in the south there wasn't a ton of big game, depression era, you know, when folks were coming up sustenance hunting, rabbits were the game of choice. That's what was feeding a ton of families in the south. And in turn, there were a lot of families that had rabbit dogs, um, i.e. beagles. Um, you know, there's lots of other variations of beagles, red tick beagles, blue tick beagles, tricolors, black and t- You can really break it down. We were hunting the other day with blue tick and black and tan beagles. Um, One thing that I noticed, and you, you may be able to talk about this, but you did mention something. These were shorter legs. Short legs beagles, yeah. And you hunted growing up with long legged beagles. beagles. Yeah, there's a difference. Um, these beagles were probably 12 inches high. At the, they're a little short. At the they're shoulder. little short dogs. For um, sure. They were they were short, which is a lot of, a lot of uh, especially older rabbit hunters. They really like the short legged dog because they're they'll push a rabbit slower. Generally, give you a better chance to see a rabbit in a shorter amount of time because they're taking that track slower and that rabbit isn't trying to you know trick them so much yeah but also you can keep up with them and like if they're moving a rabbit you can stay ahead of them versus a long-legged pack it's gonna be it's gonna be a fast race you know what it reminds me of when we when we went uh woodcock hunted together yeah you were saying that there's which i'm pushing both of them you said there's a height limit and a weight limit on what you should be to be a good woodcock hunter i still stand by that and i'm about pushing the weight limit and the height limit because yep. um, and the habitat type is pretty similar, so you can see how like a shorter, smaller, short-legged beagle yep. would be able to get through there real good and just quit. like a rabbit, just like you, yeah, kind of going like through me. Yep, uh-huh. I'm, I'm built for rabbit. Whereas hunting. like a long-legged beagle, which would be the equivalent of me, is kind of getting caught up uh-huh. and not not as smoothly traversing that that terrain. There's a there's a ton of old. I don't know if you'd call it wisdom, but old sayings that old rabbit hunters. Like you always, I grew up around this stuff, mm-hmm. and one of them was if, if my dog doesn't come out with a bloody tail, I'm gonna get rid of him because he didn't do his job. Mm. Like they wanted to see that tip of that tail bloody at the end of the day because that meant he'd been in the thicket working hard. And then another one was, well, I'm not gonna feed my dogs tonight. That way they won't it that much worse tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> like there's all kind of stuff like <laughs> like I grew up hearing that <laughs> and just took it to be the truth. Yeah, you know, but we grew up with rabbit dogs and. So it was really nice to get back out with, with uh, dog men and beaglers in particular, and get to listen to those squealy mouthed rabbit dogs chase a rabbit. Um, thing in the South, it's more now less about sustenance hunting and more about sport and tradition. And we're talking, you know, rabbit hunting is a very much dying sport, as is most dog-related hunting activities, just because of acreage and tracts of land and development has really restricted where you can go and you know you need a larger tract of land to be able to run a pack of dogs without crossing property boundaries or getting them out in roads and that kind of thing so we're fortunate enough to get invited along on this hunt where we had large large enough tracts of land where we could control a pack of dogs 
and had a lot of rabbits on them and we had a jam up group of dogs to go with um they were uh, like you said the short-legged variety and uh, you want to explain how you get the hunt started off yeah and before we even go into that i <clears throat> so i'm ma- i'm planning on moving out of charlotte here not too long from now and i've been looking at houses and the type of house that i want somewhere that i could move a little bit closer to the office potentially somewhere where i could have a yard part of that decision making process is I'd like to be able to have a dog, um, and I've been thinking about what kind of dog that I want to get. And, you know, for the last handful of years, I've been like, oh, it's definitely going to be a retriever. You were thinking waterfowl dog. Waterfowl dog. Black lab. Like, it's been no question. After going after going with you, I like, there's a just an inkling of doubt that maybe I'd make a mistake if I didn't get a beagle. I'm or done. multiple beagles. And it, it all ties into... You, I think about, this, I'm bringing it back to Woodcock a lot, but you're like, why are the sports that I'm into, that I'm getting into, becoming popular? And I'm, I'm kind of in line with you there. And if you were to go out and get you some beagles, you would be like one of the few young guys that's like really, that's really getting into a cool yeah. and really fun sport. That's a, that's dying, a out. dying out. And yeah. like you would, you, I mean, you would be the guy. Yeah, and I'm not advocating for everybody to go run out and get a pack of rabbit yeah. dogs, but I see, I see. You see what I'm saying? saying? I yeah. see what you're saying. Um, so how it starts, <clears throat> but yeah, it's definitely got me interested. I'm definitely interested. <laughs> did you ever read I, the book uh, Shallow growing up? I didn't. You didn't read the book Shallow. The, you oh. always hit me with these. Oh and my I, gosh! I always let you down, man. You really let me down with that one. Like <laughs> I, I felt like a, I haven't of any I, books that you'd ever read. I haven't read where the red gr- uh, red fern grows. I haven't. Yeah. I mean, I don't how know. are we even podcasting I don't know. together? I don't, know. I don't know. Oh my goodness! Well, if you're interested in beagles, if you want to go ahead and push yourself over the edge, oh, I'm very interested. Read that book, Shallow. Okay, just just read that book. Okay, <laughs> and watch the movie. Um, I think it's a Disney movie, but it's still great. So it starts. We go over to uh, this farm. Oh, you got to start it back mm, before mm, that. Back it you up. Back Let me it. back it up. You got to back so it we've up. Been, yeah. Step one of a rabbit hunt. <laughs> so we yeah we get a invitation to go out and rabbit hunt. And the invitation says, meet us at X location for breakfast, 8 a.m., um, which I feel like is part of the tradition. That's how I knew it was a legit rabbit hunt. When it's, we're going to meet at the Greasy Spoon, mm-hmm. the local Greasy Spoon, to have breakfast, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's on. These boys are real rabbit hunters. And it ties into another thing that we've talked about, which is convenient about this sport um, in relation to other types of hunting, in that you can start at 8 yeah, you don't I don't have, have to get to, up early. I don't have yeah. to be up at three in the morning. Exactly, which is really, it's, really it's nice. It's comfortable. Like yeah. you wait till it's comfortable outside. Mm-hmm. You've got a full belly, mm-hmm. belly full of coffee. Mm-hmm. Carry some coffee with you. It's also, it's February, yeah. and it's in a time period when there's like there's nothing else going on. Mm-hmm. You um, got the woods to yourself, and the woods are yours. And God, it's fun. Anyways, we go out, we get a get a big breakfast, drink our coffee. Um, meet all these fellas. Yeah, meet all these fellas. There was one other young guy um, and his, his um, nephew. nephew, his little nephew. But besides us three young guys, uh, everybody else was um, older, kind of like we were talking about, just uh, middle-aged like and above. Middle-aged and above. And there was no – there were no – and just talking to people, no I don't know, I don't know many youth in it, and I don't know many 30-year-olds in it, and I don't know many 40-year-olds in it. So it's like, and you, I feel like you're the same way, right? Yeah, I mean, 
I think a lot of guys my age around here grew up with it. Mm-hmm. But when their dads got out of it or aged out of it mm-hmm. or their grandpas got out of it or aged out of it or their last pack of dogs passed away, I think it was just kind of like, yeah, it's over. Yeah. And nobody ever really took it back up because just like me, they all had to move and find jobs. And mm-hmm. It's hard to maintain a pack of dogs sure. moving around finding jobs and mm-hmm. and give them the dedication they need. So, yeah, that's, it, I agree with you. It's That's why you don't see many 30-year-olds rabbit hunting. And I think one thing that I appreciated was these middle-aged, uh, a step above middle-aged men. Seasoned. Seasoned rabbit hunters were um, – excited that we were one invited us we got the invitation to come out and then we're excited that there were some young guys that were really showing that they cared and that they enjoyed this and um we did so we get out to the first farm they let the dogs loose and it's you know <clears throat> i didn't want to ask too many questions and just kind of watch and learn uh as it was going but those dogs jump out and get running and um it's fairly quiet for the first 20 minutes until they find that first and I'm I'm walking beside the dog owner so I'm kind of listening to what he says when they kind of first let out that that first yelp he could tell like oh that's a rabbit yelp he knew he knew the sound that, that beagle was making and then once that first yelp went up it was on all the and, dogs went to oh, it yeah. and it's on from there uh-huh, yeah and that's and that's kind of how it goes with with rabbit hunting like generally that's what you do. You get out, you start wading through the brush. Either a human jumps a rabbit or a dog jumps a rabbit. Either one. That doesn't really matter. But if a human jumps a rabbit, you call all the dogs over there and show them where the scent last time you saw the rabbit, which where he was at, they'll start trailing him from there and the race is on. Or if the dog jumps a rabbit, which if you got good dogs, good jump dogs as you call them, mm-hmm. they'll jump a rabbit and it's on, you know, as soon as the first bark gets let out and then it's a it's a roar of of hounds after that yeah. and it's on so they released uh four beagles and three of them were young whippersnappers good you know just spry dogs probably yeah, beagles. prime prime prime, age. prime aged beagles yes. and then the fourth beagle duke was an 11 and a half year old seasoned vet yeah who went at his own pace and man i I think we enjoyed Duke and watching Duke. Old Duke was there for company and to jump the rabbit. After that, old Duke would just follow the trail. The trail would be long cold before Duke <laughs> ever got got around to where the rabbit was actually at, which was fine. Uh-huh. And it was, yeah, we enjoyed being around old Duke. And, and the dog owner um, was so, you know, he was so appreciative to Duke for the years of service that he had given him and all the good times that they had had together that he was just talking to us and he's like I just like old Duke being able to come out here and still run around. I know he's having a good time and he's giving me so many good times that it's good to just just have him out. Have him out. He's happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, and the thing was is he was still doing his job. Like he mm-hmm. was still following rabbit. The thing was As a matter of fact, he got a few jumps. Yep, he did jump a few rabbits. The thing that it was frustrating about having him not be able to keep up with the rest of the pack is that he's trailing along behind barking at scent that the other dogs have already, you know, they've already found that scent, moved on to scent way on down the line and he'll bark and they'll, it kind of makes the other dogs want to come back to him because they think he's on, you know, new scent. I honestly thought that like the other dogs started to just kind of ignore Duke and they kind of thought the same, but they were like, well, Duke's doing his own thing and we're going to do our own thing. And I think they kind of picked up on, picked yeah. up on the deal as yeah well. i think they've hunted together enough uh-huh. but did you so one of the things i love about a pack 
dog hunting dynamic is when one dog finds scent or knows for sure that it's on it it lets out a distinct bark and all the other dogs like that pack instinct like they go to it yeah like no matter where they're at and i love watching them too one thing i noticed when you heard that all right you're gonna have to go through different terms too because i i feel like i'm gonna potentially butcher some terms instead of like a flush of a rabbit it's a jump you yep. jump, jump a rabbit is there any term for the bark so so there is the trailing bark there's uh-huh. a bay bark jump bark's just gonna be like it doesn't sound nobody calls it a jump bark but uh-huh. you can always tell the difference between visually a dog jumped a rabbit and saw it jump uh-huh. versus he smells where one was okay and See, i know you heard I, that yeah, i did difference. hear it i definitely I know you heard the difference between when a rabbit jumped up right in front of a it's dog. It's frantic. Like, it's a, yeah, oh, it's a frantic. Yeah. you know, he smells mm-hmm. scent, and he knows there's one around him. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, uh-huh. it's sure. just different. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Once you get attuned to listen to how those mm-hmm. dogs talk to each other, and I say talk because I'm humanizing them a little bit because that's how they're communicating. And, and they're communicating not only between each other, but, like, it took me, you know, half a day, and then I felt like they were communicating with me. Yeah. And they were... You know, by the the decibels and the type of bark that the beagle had, I knew like how close they were to that rabbit, where that rabbit was, like if they saw it, like you said, you could kind of get a picture of what they were seeing in the thicket mm-hmm. by the noises that they were making. Yeah, it was very very cool. So that's it is, that's part of this southern tradition of running rabbits with dogs. It's so in the south we've got. Lots of game animals that we can run with dogs. We're very fortunate in that we have that here. But one of the iconic species that we run with dogs is rabbits. And it's been that way because... I don't know who that is. But anyways, it's been that way for for eons. And the reason being, rabbits are virtually hard to hunt without dogs because of the habitat they live in. And that's why these beagles are bred... Like we were talking about the different varieties of beagles. They've got a very cold nose. They can smell scent that's very old. They, they're they low to the ground. Hold They've up. got thick fur. Go. Cold nose? Cold. So is that a term you didn't know? Yeah, that's cold another term. Nose. So the colder the nose, the older the scent they can smell. The older the molecule. That's just a dog term. Cold, huh. cold nose means they can track a cold track. I didn't know that. A cold track is an older track. Are you talking cold as in like you touch their nose and it's... No, no, no. Okay. I was like, I was like what are you talking about cold Not nose? Physically. No, it's just a descriptive way of saying they can oh, smell really, very sensitive nose. really old scent mm-hmm. molecule i like that yeah yeah and so so like an animal it's new to me an animal when it leaves scent so we all leave scent humans included so when your skin or part of your body touches something you're always losing cell cells yeah. cells are constantly falling off of your body mm-hmm. those cells contain scent molecules that over time evaporate with you know because they're moisture in them mm-hmm. and a dog with a cold nose can smell one of those from much farther away and from longer ago than, say, a dog with not so cold a nose. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, it definitely makes sense. So, anyways, these dogs, like Duke in particular, had an extremely cold nose because he was smelling where that rabbit had run two hours ago. And that's one thing that I want to, like, that I want to talk about was I, I learned a lot going, and one of the things that I learned was from watching you and watching the gentleman um, who this was their hobby, yeah, <clears throat> were that a rabbit would get jumped, mm-hmm. and the beagles would start their trailing process, and all the seasoned rabbit hunters would be like carrying an empty bucket and would just flip it upside down and drop it right next. You to You loved where, that, didn't? Oh you? yeah, <laughs> drop it right next to where that rabbit was jumped, and 
me not knowing any better, I would go off and try to find my own spot in the direction of where I thought the rabbit was going, thinking I could get out ahead of that rabbit. And what I slowly came to realize was the rabbit, I'm like listening to the dogs and getting ahead of the dogs. The rabbit is five minutes ahead of the dogs. At least. Yeah. Sometimes much farther. Yeah. And so by the time I'm up at five minutes ahead, or like three minutes ahead of the dogs thinking thinking that the dogs are going to push the rabbit to me, the rabbit's been... He's already been by he's you been by before me. you got there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... Because you see the dogs come out, like you'll be standing watching the edge of a field, mm-hmm. and you see the dogs come out smelling along, you're like, I didn't see that rabbit come yeah. by here. He's already been by. He's already been by, you know, five minutes before you got there. And the interesting thing was, you know, 50% of the time, the people that would get the shot would be the guys that put the bucket down yep. right next to where the rabbit had jumped because they're doing a lap, running across their territory, and then coming back to where they had been, uh, kind of sending those and, dogs on a chase. And that's the interesting thing. So rabbits, so they're very cunning and smart and because every predator in the, in the world is after a rabbit. So they, they have all these ways of eluding predators, and one of them is they run their entire territory. When, so when they're jumped and a pack of hounds is put on them on their trail, and they're being trailed up. They realize they're being trailed eventually. Uh, maybe not at first. You know, when they first get jumped, they're just trying to get away from whatever's in the thicket with them. But then they realize, hey, something's following along the exact same way I went. So they'll make a huge loop out around their entire territory and come back to where they jumped. But all in that while, they're crisscrossing into other rabbits' territories and trying to throw them off on a different rabbit, especially males. Males are way into throwing a pack of dogs off onto another rabbit. Like, they'll run right by another rabbit knowing he's living there just to throw the dogs off on that That's messed up. Yep. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. They'll do, so the craziest thing I ever saw, I saw, uh, this was, we were rabbit hunting in the snow with, we had a pack of dogs and we were able to see where the rabbit had actually ran, like his footprints. He had ran, hopped up on a stump that was probably, I don't know, four foot high and sat there. The dogs went by, he had run past it, run back, hopped up on that stump. The dogs went by him while he was sitting on the stump and then he hopped off and went the other direction. Mm. Like, I mean, that's planning. Like, mm-hmm. that's cunning. Yeah. And, like, I've seen them run up down logs up into the, you know, up into the top of a tree. and high, I mean, all kinds of things like that. But, yeah, usually they'll make that big loop, like you said, and come back to where they got jumped. So a seasoned rabbit hunter knows the best spot to be is pretty close to where that rabbit jumped in the first place. Mm-hmm. And it may, be, it may be 20 minutes. It may be 30 minutes. But eventually he's coming back. He's going to be back. Yep. And all the while, I'm in no hurry. I feel like it's a very patient and just, yeah. like, kick your feet up and wait kind of sport. It is. And it's not like – I don't think the harder you necessarily work means more payoff in rabbit hunting. Um, if you've got good dogs. If yep. you've got good dogs. Yeah, and if, you're, if you've got no dogs and you're bushwhacking and you're going to walk through the thickest stuff and just try to jump them, then maybe so. But if you've got good dogs that will do the work for you, it's just a patience game, and um, that's what these guys were doing. These were good dogs. These were um, good dogs. Yeah, they were. The let's see other lessons that I learned. One of the first um, jumps, almost said flushes. One of the first jumps uh, of the day. These dogs were running up this hedgerow, and I was right beside you. I was right beside Cody. Yep. And out runs this rabbit, and the dogs haven't even really caught his caught his scent yet. And I pull up and just bang one off at this. I mean, it about runs through my legs. Yeah. And he's about 15 feet away from me, 20 feet away, and I bang off a shot at this rabbit, miss him. I had a pretty tight choke. <clears throat> and Cody's like, whoa, what are you What are you doing? 
<laughs> and I was like, huh? And apparently, the be- you need to let those dogs, before you crack a shot, you need to let those dogs get the scent and let's send them on a lap. Is that is that like the proper etiquette? So growing up, I, I learned this at a very young age, um, that I was told you never shoot a rabbit on the jump when you're hunting with dogs because you need to let the dogs get on them and work them. Let the dogs get practice because the dogs aren't going to learn anything. So this is a lesson that you learned at like at seven years old or younger. I was probably seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. first finding this out, carrying a little bitty twenty gauge youth model. Which I don't, I don't mind like learning a lesson in my twenties, yeah. but it is like kind of a little bit. It was and but it was different with these guys. But the the groups that I grew up rabbit hunting with, and even when, with our own dogs, you know, we always put the dogs on the rabbit first and let him run. Like you never jumped a rabbit out like you come running out of the thicket. And you shot him, and didn't let the dogs chase him. That that is not. <laughs> yeah, it was not how exactly you did it. what I. It was not sporting <laughs> and not the proper way to rabbit hunt yeah. that I found out. And so you'd always let the dogs run them, and then you know after they'd run him a little while, then he was fair game. If you got a shot, you could take it. But reasons for that was a to let the dogs get work and to see your dogs work and get that fulfillment out of it, and let them have some fulfillment. But b also, the safety issue with shooting while everybody's trying to jump a rabbit, the dogs, the people are all together. You know, if you shoot a rabbit, chances are it's more likely that something bad could happen if you shoot while everybody's yeah. together. You can mistake a dog for a rabbit or mm-hmm. all those things could happen. So that was where I learned to, you know, you let the dogs run it the first lap. But anyways, continue with yeah, what happened. And I, I wasn't trying to get on to you then. No, I, was, I, I appreciate it. More or less, I, I realized, that was when I realized that that was, you hadn't told me that that was your first hunt with rabbit dogs, but that was when I realized yeah. it was right there. And I went over and was like, I apologized to the guy who owned the dogs. I was like, I didn't know you are supposed to let dogs run. This is my first time doing this. And he's like, oh, we shoot at rabbits when we see them. So I didn't break any of their rules. Um, but still, that's a good thing to know. And I appreciate people telling me. And it, there's one thing that you said. That was the only time that I shot that day, um, which was fine because it was a learning. It was a learning day for me, anyways, and I enjoyed just watching. Um, and there was plenty of action for everybody else, and I feel like I picked up a lot of rabbit hunting with dog info. And next time I'll be ready. But right. um, one thing that you mentioned, which was kind of part of the reason that I feel like I didn't pull the trigger anymore, even though there was maybe a couple of opportunities where I could have shot, was it's um there's a lot going on and there's a lot of there's a lot I, of moving parts to yeah to thinking thinking about safety i was thinking about safety a whole lot um i was thinking about like did you ever feel like at some point i've got to throw safety to the wind if i'm gonna get maybe a towards the end but i didn't have a <laughs> you, know, I didn't, <laughs> you know what i think most seasoned rabbit hunters are like yep safety's out the window at some <laughs> but point. everybody's everybody's wearing orange lots of orange lots of orange um but there's a lot of things to think about. You're you're shooting. It's not like bird hunting. It's not like dove hunting. You're shooting at a target on the ground. So you've got to know your backdrop. Yep. Then there's other animals, people, somebody else's prized possession. Their yeah, dogs. probably their favorite thing they own yeah. is out there running around. It's running around too. So you just you know, even though a lot of times they are five minutes behind, whatever, you never know where a dog might be. So um, being aware of that, being aware of other people around you. Um, and a lot of times you're around thick cover, so you can't really see through what's on the other side of that thicket. So um, I spent a lot of time thinking about, okay, the, if one jumps out here, do I have like a clear shot? Where can I shoot? You know, and, mm-hmm. um, my mind is pretty much spinning, spinning on that, spinning the whole time for yeah. sure. Yeah, and that that I, that is probably very good that it was. That's probably typical of a first rabbit hunt. But now 
and also we were new to that property, so we didn't know how it laid, mm-hmm. where people were exactly, you know, that kind of thing. So next time we go there, we'll have a. I know exactly where I'm going to stand for most of those races, depending on where I'm we're at. I'm going to stand by Ralph. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. But uh, one thing I, I should have clarified earlier before we continue is when the dogs do, when you do jump a rabbit and you get the dogs on the rabbit, so it's not like they're looking at the rabbit as they're chasing it, like nipping at his heels. There's nothing like that. The rabbit, he gets away instantly, and he's 10, 15 minutes ahead of those dogs. And he's already went somewhere else and sat down. So they're just trailing that scent up till they jump him up again. And then he does the same thing again. And he keeps doing that. And that's how he makes his big loop, eventually working back to where it started. Like, they're never, rarely ever are they chasing him right behind him, you know, like an actual race. Um, it's very rare that that happens. That's why it's much safer to wait till they're running him to shoot him instead of right on the jump because they're not close to him. Right? Does that make sense? That makes I, sense. I laid that out? Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Visually to somebody who hadn't, hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to clarify that it's not like you're turning something loose and then the dogs are like right after yeah, it. It's not sure. like that. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so anyways, what, uh, so you, you'd shot at that one on the jump. That's where uh-huh. we're at. Shot at the one on the jump. Um, you're kind of, in a fun way, not getting on to me, but just kind of chuckling at me like you would imagine somebody would chuckle at somebody who made a mistake that they learned when they were seven years old. That's kind of how like you, <laughs> <laughs> how you were chuckling at me. Um, and taught me a lesson. That's a good thing. I mean, that's there's no shame in learning a lesson. Um, as, I feel like that's one big thing for hunters in general, especially men, um, is pride and like being nervous to make a mistake and be made fun of when you're going out and doing something new and trying a new experience. Um, and I don't know if this one lesson that I've picked up through hunting is you know, as long as you're not doing something unsafe or something that's ethically wrong, uh, making a mistake and learning from that mistake and being able to laugh at yourself a little bit and not take yourself so serious is a great quality to have. And speaking of laughing at ourselves and um, not taking ourselves so seriously, I'm going to pick on Cody a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah, um, you can do that now. Which is, you know, it's not a, like a big deal because Cody had some tough shots, but Cody missed some rabbits, which... We've talked. We've talked yeah, I about. I did some. So I was just like you in that. I was doing everything I could to be safe. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so whatever. And I, and we want to present ourselves as you know, like these are new hunters that have taken us out. We want to show that like we're the safety guys. You know? Yeah. And so and then when I did have a shot, it was generally not the. It was every time I took a shot was a safe shot, but it was never the best possible angle I could get on a rabbit. Like there was a lot better opportunities I had that I had to pass on, mm-hmm. because it was in a bad shot from a safety standpoint. But in my defense, I did some poor shooting. Yeah, and that's, I missed three times. We've talked about Cody and and his hunting, um, and his way of doing things on the podcast before. But witnessing a day where Cody's doing some missing is not a common thing. So after the first miss and the second miss and then the third miss, I turned to Ralph, the guy who invited us to go, and was like, "I, I was like, yeah, this is eating, this is eating Cody up for sure. <laughs> like I know, like he's pissed." Like, like, I don't want to bring it up to him today because I like it's gonna be a, like a sore subject for sure. But he's not having a good time. We were chuckling about it. But you did what I was just talking about, which was you didn't take yourself 
as seriously. And we not as you, you usually and do. You, yeah, not as you usually do when you were basically just like, "Look, I suck today." <laughs> and then we were talking about it on the ride home. And maybe this is a hot tip, our hot tip of the day. Yeah. If you get invited out on a trip with some new with some new guys and you're enjoying yourself and you're going on your first hunt with this group, maybe it's maybe it's a good thing to do some missing. Yeah, because, maybe it's good to not show up and be the best shot in the group. Yeah, because, I mean, if you go out there and you're dead eye all day long and these people have taken you on a hunt and you kill every rabbit that comes around and they don't get Or any, every duck or yeah, whatever. Uh-huh, and they don't get any shooting and they don't have a good time, they're going to be like, screw this guy. I'm not taking him anymore. He kills everything. Like, that, I didn't have fun. I'm gonna yeah, go. I want to go. He can find his own rabbit. I want to go with some guy who is gonna do a little bit of missing. Who's gonna make I, me feel better about the, myself? Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> I'm gonna shoot the rabbit cleanup style behind him, and then stroke my ego a little and bit. And then be like, "Oh, you'll get him next time." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is virtually exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, y'all just keep shooting. You'll eventually get one. Like, I can't remember the last time somebody had to cheer me up on my bad shooting. Like, oh, come on. It, you get them next Maybe time. Maybe next time. I can't remember the last time that happened. I felt like I was walking on eggshells around you um, just because I knew it was eating you up. Like, there's no harsher critic of oh, yourself than you. It definitely bothered me that I missed. The first miss, I was like, oh, I'm just getting back into the game. Tough luck. Yeah. You know, it was, it was too quick of a shot. Uh-huh. Second miss, I was like, oh. Huh. Then I realized I forgot to change my choke tube out, which was an issue. Not the underlying issue, but it was an issue in my confidence, if nothing else. But then I got a rabbit, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm on it now. Back in the game. And then I missed that other one two times mm-hmm. crossing that field. Mm-hmm. But it, I was like, well, I don't know what I'm doing wrong here. I, I, I cannot hit a rabbit today. Yeah. That's what it is. That's what Nothing it is. wrong with that. But it was, God, it was fun. Um, for the listeners who may not know, what are the names, common names, of a male rabbit and a female rabbit? Oh, we call them bucks. Bucks uh, are males and does are females. Yeah, I like that. Bucks and does. Um, a big old buck rabbit. Buck rabbit. Yeah. You like? You did like I that. I do like that. Much. Yeah, I sure do. Um, let me, so rabbits do, rabbits are neat in that they do a couple of things. So they are an R species, so there are K species and there are R species. R species refers to species that are very prolific as in they are prolific breeders it takes them a short amount of time to deliver a whole bunch of babies and their whole life strategy is that they're going to deliver a whole bunch of babies in hopes that a few of them survive because they're generally prey species that are short-lived anyway um, so rabbits are an example of that mice are an example of that squirrels um, an example of a K species would be like a black bear for example so a black bear is going to have one to two cubs maybe every other year um rarely every year um and they're going to be you know they're going to spend a lot of time nurturing those two cubs until they're grown enough to go off on their own and they're going to probably live a very long life and they're generally a predator um so that's the difference um so a rabbit that's why there's a whole bunch of them and that's why hunters don't really do anything to harm the population with rabbits but the cool thing about rabbits is, is when you get them in these cycles so they they kind of have cycles where they'll be up one year in a population down one year well the farm we hunted was definitely an up year the other day i mean we had nine rabbits by midday it was uh absolutely unreal there were that many rabbits in that thick and you even said to me 
I did not expect there to be that many rabbits in this one thicket. Yeah. And I didn't either. I really didn't. I really didn't either. And it's, you know, we've talked about this on our show plenty of times, but we've taken other hunters out hunting. Um, and there's that feeling of, like, taking a first-time hunter out and them having, like, a really, really awesome hunt and something extraordinary happening. Like, you taking a, a young guy or gal out and they – go deer hunting their first time and then shoot a big buck and there's like a feeling as the guide in that situation of like oh no I've kind of ruined this person from like giving them lofty expectations of what this this hunt and this sport is really about and that from this point on they're never going to be able to live up to that um, and deer hunting is not going to be the same and it's kind of tarnished for them like it's kind of good to go on a few sucky hunts the first yeah. few times you go out um and I kind of feel like maybe I've been ruined a little bit by this first dog rabbit hunting experience that I went on because I couldn't believe that there was that many rabbits there. And I was, I feel like I was a little bit spoiled on that trip. Um, now, you, you'll be able to tell me if that's uncommon, if it was like extremely uncommon or fairly uncommon. Uh, that was uh, once in a season hunt. If See, you, if that's, you were a, that's not uh, good for me. If yeah. you were a fairly hardcore rabbit hunter uh, that comes along about once a season mm-hmm. a hunt like that mm-hmm. I mean there's just things it's like we just talked about the problems with you know the reason rabbit hunting is a dying sport is because of the tracks of land so with the tracks of land decreasing in size you're also losing habitat and therefore there's not that many places for that many rabbits to be like you see town rabbits like i guarantee you've got rabbits in your yard in concord on occasion like in charlotte where you live oh yeah no yeah, yeah oh i yeah on the way to the hunt that morning i saw two rabbits exactly and i was like oh i've got them in my yard but day. town rabbits don't count i mean that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about rabbits that are huntable in the wild no yeah it's know. a totally different thing it's they're, like seeing, they're like different species it's like almost. it is it's like seeing charlotte city squirrels yeah they're not the same they're and then you go out that. into game lands and try to find a – it's, like, a totally different, more elusive, more, like, spooky critter. Yeah, a wild, like yeah. an actual oh, yeah. wild creature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily domesticated or sure. used to, you know, people. I think that's a great point. When you, like, you hear rabbit hunting or you hear squirrel hunting. Yeah, you think of it as and not you're, And you're just like, what – like, I, I could limit out on squirrels here in my neighborhood, so what's the big deal about it? It's, it's such a different – thing yep it's so different um and the game that species like you said it's like a totally different species just based on pressure and location yep um and yeah this isn't this isn't hunting rabbits out of your pansies in the side of your yard yeah and this isn't and we're fun hunting like Mm -hmm. this is a legit hard hunt yeah you know in a way Mm mm-hmm so yeah, it's it's definitely not easy as far as you can't just walk up to them and they're just rabbits everywhere. What do you? Um, let's talk about cleaning a little bit. Cleaning um, rabbits. You had a, two things I want to talk about. <laughs> you one, you had a handy tool. Oh yeah, you want to talk about that? And then two, what do you know about tularemia? Well, talk about your tool. I'm gonna look up some stuff about tularemia. Okay, okay. So cleaning rabbits, I feel that. If you're going to be cleaning any volume of rabbits, having yourself a pair of game shears is worth its weight in gold because you don't necessarily need a knife to clean a rabbit. They've got very soft, thin fur that you can 
nip in the center with your game shears and then split it you know in each direction towards the head and towards the rear until you've got this animal skin and then you can just unzip him with those game shears and get his entrails out clip his feet off and uh, you're done and you don't have to worry about a knife and getting cut or you know all the things that go with having a knife if you got those game shears so yeah I had those Sam liked those a whole bunch yeah I like do you want to tell the brand yeah, I mean, yeah, the brand I use is uh, it's a Leatherman. Um, they're actually trauma shears um, used by paramedics and EMTs and that kind of thing. But Leatherman Raptor shears. Um, it you... was something. It was something that after using it with with Cody, that I immediately, for rabbit hunting and for squirrel hunting and other other game cleaning. Yeah, or just it's, having in your medical kit. Yeah, whatever. It's an invaluable tool. It's something that I was I was immediately like that's something that. I don't. I don't often need things. Like I see something that I'm like, oh, I gotta have that. That was one that I was like, huh, that's something that I probably should have. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The, I, I was given them as a gift, and they've stayed with me, either in my pack or my truck, ever since. They're super handy. So yeah, if you're looking for a cool pair of uh, shears, um, they're not necessarily game shears. They're trauma shears, but those Leatherman Raptor. Shears. They got some other tools on them too, but yeah, they're they're super neat. They fold up nice and tidy, easy to carry. I like them. Um, you looking up tularemia? Yeah. So um, so tularemia is also known as rabbit fever. Yeah. And that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, that's exactly, that what, yeah, exactly what I was gonna <laughs> that's say. That's like the spark notes of what I know is that it's called rabbit fever, yep. but um, it's a bacteria, and it's spread by ticks, um, deer flies, or by contact with an infected animal, which I think yep. is the most common. That's why it's most common in rabbits, and that's why it's called, but not like exclusively rabbits. Um, but you're at risk at getting a tularemia in the cleaning process, I would say, is probably the most risky period yeah. that, uh, that a person has, uh, which is reflected in the statistics. So between 1970 and 2015, they're averaging about 200 cases of tularemia annually in humans okay. in human beings and it's predominantly like almost always rabbit almost hunters. always young men to middle-aged men and it's like the stats of men who get tularemia compared to women um is is pretty high and i can see that being you know just currently the stats the statistics of hunters so in 1970 to yep. 2015, more men Trended hunters than towards women. men, mm-hmm. sure. and then young men, especially, just being a little bit reckless and um, inexperienced. Yeah. So, so in, in cleaning rabbits, you should wear gloves because you talked about how it's transmitted, and it it's not going to kill you, but it's going to make you pretty darn sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll make you pretty darn sick. Um, but other than that, talk about rabbits as table fare. I as far as mammals go. They're eating a much finer eating creature. This will give me a good uh, opportunity to, t- to talk about our friends over at Backcountry and Beyond. Go for it, dude. How about that segue? Yeah. I, uh, after our Friday uh, hunt, I did a Valentine's Day trip with my significant other up to the mountains to go on a hiking trip. And you suggested... Oh, that yeah. I take some rabbits. Uh, well, we were when we was telling me he was going on this trip, we were in the process of cleaning these rabbits, and we had nine of them. So, so and, we and there, yeah, 
and ever since I've watched Jeremiah Johnson, we've been that's kind of been like a constant subject that we've talked about for yep. the last two weeks. So there's a line in that movie where Bear Claw is speaking to Jeremiah Johnson. He goes, "You cook, you cook damn fine rabbit, Pilgrim." Yep, and, and he, so he's got a rabbit on a spit uh, over his campfire. Yeah, sure enough, which is one of the most iconic mountain man scenes that's ever been ever been portrayed. So that's what I did. I uh, I took a couple of rabbits that we had that we had harvested and cooked them on a fire um, after our hiking trip. And God, it was good, man. It was really good. Now I just because it was my first time cooking rabbit like that. I don't even think I've told you this. I cooked the rabbit on the spit. And then I had vegetables in tinfoil in the fire. And then just to finalize the process to ensure that I had gotten it fully cooked all the way through, I stripped the meat off of the uh, skeleton oh, okay. and then threw it into a cast iron skillet with the vegetables just to give it that final sear. That sounds actually very good. Um, yeah. I, part of me really wanted to just be able to, like, rip, style it. Yeah, like yeah. to rip a leg off and, like, eat on it. And I did. Um, but for the safety of... My girlfriend, who was with me and everything, I thought probably the best thing to do would the be... The more visually appetizing yeah. thing for her yeah. would be... Oh, well, she she thought it was cool. <laughs> that's, when I pulled the rabbits out and told her that we were going to cook them over the fire, she was like, oh, that's going to look super cool. So oh, she was, yeah? Oh, yeah, she uh, was way into it. I like that. Um, did, I bet it did look cool. Oh, it did. But the way I'm going to talk about Backcountry and Beyond is I went... If you've listened to past shows, I harvested my first public lands, North Carolina white-tailed deer this past season on the game lands up in the mountain up in the mountains that's all i'm really going to tell you about it but (laughs) something about this spot is there's a long long hike to get into it and it is uphill so the first two miles to get up into this game lands to the prime hunting spot is two miles and a thousand vertical feet up and by the time you get to where you're going to start dropping down into where you're going to hunt you're I mean, you're beat. Um, we just walking around this weekend. I carried a gun just in case I jumped a grouse, but we were we were pretty wore out just walking, and that's not packing out a deer. Like you know, if you if you were to kill a deer back there in the back country, you'd really have a tough time. Um, and all I could think about the whole trip was, this is the perfect place for a quiet cat. That's all I see. I'm like that is all I could think. Well, now you gotta um, tell what a quiet cat. Is. I actually, I won't finish this story, but I want you, I think you have the best explanation for what a quiet cat is because you tried it on the time that you gave a presentation out there and you had a, we we still talk about you. It'll blow a man's cowboy hat right off his head, I'll tell you that. That's right. Yeah, I took a spit on that in my my Stetson and lost my Stetson on the the quiet cat. They're they're an electronic. They're deceptively fast. They're an electronic bike zero sound and um pretty lightweight piece of equipment and you can go anywhere and you can go there fast yeah I mean, it, yeah it's electronic assist pedaling so just uh, the only way i know how to tell you about it is you really don't have to pedal that much yeah what is i hate to like bash the usefulness of this what would be the legality of taking a quiet cat on game lands depends on which game land. Lots of them allow bicycles, and it's, it's but being a, but being a motorized bicycle is that uh well there's black and white rules on it on what's what mm-hmm. and uh, without looking at each individual game land I can't tell you the answers yeah. to that but uh, 
the game land you're referring to doesn't have any rule against yeah against mm-hmm. bicycles yeah um, so there you go yeah so because yeah it's a bicycle but it also has an electronic motor mm-hmm. but it's a bicycle yeah. <laughs> it's on that fine line and I think I'd feel comfortable using but, it but you know I don't think that's what the manufacturer intended it for as much as just uh, a way to help you stay outside longer and go farther on a bicycle than you maybe would go without one. No, that's the, I mean, and that's what yeah. it's for. Whether you're a hunter or not, you can get to places that you could never get to before at speeds that you could never quieter. get to them before and quieter than you could ever get there before on got, this on this piece of equipment. They got, man, these things are cool. They got gun racks and trailers for them. I mean, I can't even. They got all kinds they're, of accessories. They're, like, they are sweet. They're cool. Um, they're like a fat-tired mountain bike with an electronic little thing that makes you go fast. When we rode them over there at Backcountry Beyond, um, I, it almost scared me a little bit. Like, I, I don't know what I was expecting when I got on it the first time, but when I, when I punched it and <laughs> I'm looking down and I'm seeing that I'm going 24 miles an hour through their parking lot, I was like, oh, this is this piece of equipment is more than I expected. I'll tell be. you what I was worried about. I wasn't worried about going fast. I was worried about laying that thing over oh, yeah. and scratching it up. You buy it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't make enough to get one of these today. But they are like Backcountry Beyond. The cool thing about them is they they have occasional sales on those, and it's something that I'm eyeing. As I mean, it would change the way that I can hunt. I'm gonna tell I you, hunt as I get older, as I get older. That will be something I look into very hard. Um, uh, Travis, our executive director, has been talking about ever since he saw us ride him. He's been yeah. talking about quiet cats and all the hunting that he could do with this quiet cat if he's to get one. So if that's not, like if you hear about us talking about going to all these, you know, way off the road places, and you're not physically able to go there yourself on foot or on your mountain bike, this is this is the ticket. This oh, is it the hot is. Ticket. Oh, it is. It would change. It would change the game for anybody that had one. So, you would be. Yeah. You would be a formidable outdoors person if you had that piece of equipment. It would. Yeah, it it'll, it'll change how you access things. Yeah, no doubt. So go to the backcountry and beyond and, and talk to them about the quiet cat. Even if you, they'll let you test ride one. I guarantee it. And if you show up in a Stetson, they might knock you a deal <laughs> on, a, just, on a quiet cat. Just here's here's our hot tips regarding quiet cats. If you go over there and you get you a test ride, one, don't lay it over. <laughs> and then... <laughs> two, probably don't wear your cowboy hat. And then two, be <laughs> warned. Like, just know what you're getting into when you hop on that thing. It's going to be like riding a motorcycle, basically. It really is. Yeah, it really is like riding a dirt bike. Mm-hmm. That's no doubt. Well, but uh, deadly quiet. Let's talk about... We talked about potential diseases you could get from rabbits. Um... Talk about you cooking yours. I vac sealed all mine, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to do it cooking with with all the fellows that were on the rabbit hunt at some point. Here's another here's up. another tip that you gave me, um, which I didn't have milk jugs available. Oh, I'm, so I'm freezing them. So I kind of had to just come up with my own deal. But when you clean breast out ducks, you breast out doves, you um, Whatever meat you're processing, the way that I generally store it is I will fill up a Ziploc freezer bag with water and then store my meat in that in that bag. Frozen block of ice. In that frozen block of ice just to, uh, to keep. And one thing about rabbits is bones. 
Yeah, they're going to be sh- sharp, sharp bones. Mm-hmm. They're sharp bones that can puncture, and I dealt with that. Um, and your suggestion to me, which is something that I'm going to start collecting um, more of and have around the house, especially if I start really getting into rabbit hunting, it which, sounds like you might. which I want to, yeah, um, is I'm going to start collecting milk jugs. That way I can cut them in half, and then I can throw my rabbits, maybe one, maybe two, into that milk jug, fill that with water, and don't have to worry about the puncture uh, element of storing these. And, you know, what you would do is you would put those rabbits in there, you put the water in there. They're going to float up a little bit, but you can put, you know, a plate or something on top of them to keep them under the water surface. And then freeze them, and then you'll have frozen blocks that you are easily stackable oh, yeah, in your freezer. Store. Yeah, don't take um, up much room. So I ended up using Ziploc bags, and sure enough, first bag filled it all the way up, Sporting put a couple rabbits in it, and just waters. Yeah, I had a double bag. Yeah. Both both my bags are rabbits, so yeah. um, that's a really that's a that's a good tip that I will be using from now on. Yeah, it works good if you don't have a vac vac scissor works good, but it can puncture the vac oh, for vac sure. bag. You got to be careful um, with those too. But uh, let's uh, man, I really hope you get a rabbit dog. I hope you get a whole pack of rabbit dogs. That way we can. I'm surprised. More. I'm surprised you're not. You're not exploring the idea of getting Man, dogs. Man, I've told my, I told my wife when we moved. <laughs> I tell my wife all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Dude, I'm sure she's so sick of me telling her things that I want to do or I'm going to do. I told her when we move, we're going to get, we're going to keep the bird dogs we have. Probably have a third bird dog. I'm going to get a pack of rabbit dogs, and I'm going to have a squirrel dog. And then eventually I'm going to morph all that into lion dogs and have lion hounds. When you first <laughs> when you first started dating Mikey. You had a purchase that you wanted to make that she that you oh, almost we're talk about that? that you almost pulled the trigger on. I want that'll be oh that'll be God. the way to that's end this show. Whole, that's a whole other episode, man. Yeah. So speaking of all the things I tell Mikey we're gonna do or I'm gonna do. So uh, see, this one's awesome. I totally. I'm. I was I'm uh, about it. I was as close to buying an airplane as a man's ever come to buying an airplane without having an airplane in his hangar at the house. Except this is this a, is not this is a special kind of airplane. This is one you. I was gonna buy an ultralight aircraft that requires no license whatsoever, <laughs> like minimal training at best. Does it require? And this, I had it all. There's this fella. I'm not. I'm not even gonna say the state it was in because I don't want to give too much away about his business and advertise it, but. There's a fellow who builds these. Just in case you go back, you don't want him too busy. Yeah, you know, I'm going to need Always going to need him to be able to get a plane. <laughs> so he, he builds these ultralight air, aircraft planes as kits. You can buy a kit and build it yourself, which I didn't feel comfortable doing. Jeez, no or, way. Or he would build them oh for you. Oh, God. Airplane and, kit? Are yeah, you kidding? He would build them for you, and they were cool. They folded up. It was one-seater, seated one person. I want to talk about that. They folded up, and... They fit on their own little trailer, and so you towed it behind your pickup wherever you wanted to go to, like, whatever airstrip. Then you unfolded it, unhitched it from the thing, and off you went, flying around. And they had a five-gallon, it looked like a, a beer keg for a, a tank of gas. It held five gallons, and you could go, the plane I, the, uh, the plane I was looking at could go 260 miles on a five-gallon thing of, of fuel. And it was like, I forget what horsepower motor. Like, not much. It was a small motor. But I had it all lined up. I had it. I talked to him on the phone a half dozen times. Had this, had it lined up. He had me a plane ready to go. I was going to drive down. It was going to take two days to get there. I was going to drive down. He was going to give me some lessons. And then I was going to come home with a plane. But here's the, here's the thing about 
the lessons. There's, there's a lot of catches Here's to Here's the things about the lessons. <clears throat> Cody just said that his model plane is a single cockpit plane. Yeah, so, once so the you, first time the first time you really get up in the air in your plane, um, there is there, no, no there help. is no like there is nobody with you to be like, okay, here's what you need to do. Yeah, there's no plane. bailing you out. Once you took off, <laughs> you better learn how it's either sink or swim, literally. <laughs> yeah. Except it was either fly or crash. Fly or die. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it didn't come with a parachute or any like stuff like that. <laughs> no training on what to do if something bad happens. And so, but anyways, I was looking at these planes, and I told everybody, oh, I'm going to get this plane on, and I was like going to get it like the next week. And everybody's, this is a horrible idea. Why would you buy a plane? You don't. You this, regret it too, don't yeah. you? Oh, I wish I'd have bought it every day since I since I turned down that opportunity. That plane sold like right after I called him and said I wasn't going to be coming to get it. I think he sold it the next day. But anyway, somebody's out zipping around. Yeah, I was told that it was better off. I was better off without that airplane. Somebody's out hunting all the places you can't hunt. Oh yeah, somebody's having, somebody's living the dream in my in my plane right yeah. now. But anyways, I almost bought a bought a light <laughs> aircraft. <laughs> yep, everybody thinks it's ridiculous, but it would have been awesome. Oh um, man. Yeah. So anyways, I tell my wife all these things I'm gonna do, but I never do them. But yeah, I wish I had rabbit dogs again. I miss them. That's I've told you before. That's how I got into woodcock hunting in the first place. Was I had a rabbit dog who also pointed birds and he would point woodcock he'd stop in the middle of a rabbit race to point a woodcock which was frustrating when you're rabbit hunting but got me into birds yeah i it's just one of those things that really contradicts normal trends uh in hunting where everything seems to be getting more popular but rabbit hunting is not one and that's kind of the niche that you're looking to fill and i think that's like you know I'm twenty. I'm about to turn twenty-seven years old, and it's something that I had never done before, and I can't believe how much fun I had. That's so fun. Um, it's a great way to introduce new people to it. Yeah, and money. I can see how, like, for somebody who's like you saw that kid. Well, how old do you think the one kid was that was with us? The, seven. Yeah, walking around with a BB had gun a red and his blaze orange. Yeah, yeah, he was seven years old, something mm-hmm. like that, and he was having a blast. Yeah, but I mean, for somebody, there's not many things that for somebody who's been hunting all kinds of different stuff. To go out and enjoy as much as somebody who was a brand new beginner could go out and enjoy. But it's got that element of, like, dogs, you know, moving around, camaraderie. You don't um, have to be super quiet. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I'm, I'm all about it. Hooked. I'm hooked. Hooked on rabbits. Well, that's, man, and I feel that way about, you've heard me say this a million times, about dog, all kinds of dog hunting. Like, that's how I feel about virtually anything any hunting you can do only gets better when you add a dog element into it. For the most part, with me, like for example, rabbit hunting. How boring would that have been if it was just me and you wading through the briar patch, jumping rabbits? There's yeah, and there's a fear that I have. It would have been boring. And there's a fear that I have though, which is you fill a niche when you become a rabbit guy, when you become a woodcock guy, whatever it is that's your thing. Like, you're, you've devoted your life to it. Now, it'd be sweet to have a group of friends to be like, all right, we're going to, as a group, we're each going to pick one thing. Oh, yeah. This we're is, each going to pick is, one I thing. I like where you're going with this. And I'm going to be the rabbit guy, and you're going to be the woodcock guy, and, you, and we're going to rotate around our group. You're going to be the turkey guy, and you're going to manage your place for turkeys, and I'm going to manage my place for rabbits, and I'm going to have the dogs, and, and like... See, what you said there, if you just manage for rabbits, you'll get all the other stuff. Exactly. So... <laughs> As if you have 
like that process where you've got a group, a group of guys and you're rotating through and like experts and better is if you said I'm gonna have the rabbit dogs, mm-hmm. you're gonna own the bird dogs, yeah. This guy needs to own the coon dogs, yeah. And this guy needs to own the bear dogs, mm-hmm. and then you know we're all gonna come hunting with you rabbit hunting exactly. in February. We're gonna bird hunt with you in December, exactly. And we're gonna go coon hunting with you in October yeah. and February at night after yep. we get done rabbit hunting. Yep. Then we're gonna bear hunt in November. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, exactly right. And then everybody's kinda got their own thing. And that's how you gotta do it. I mean there are Because I wouldn't wanna be I wouldn't wanna be solo in this in that like I'm the rabbit guy and then I have to give up all of the other things that I like to do. Well and you kinda have to. Yeah, and that's kinda how it is. Unless you've got hookups in those other fields because yeah. I just don't want to put myself in a box. And you that's know? the thing about that's what I love about dog men. And when I say dog man, I'm referring to every hunting dog owner. So when they commit to having that puppy, the first puppy, and they train it, they've pretty much given up all this other stuff. Like, the number one thing they're going to do when that season comes in is take that dog and hunt that thing. So if it's a rabbit hunter, he's going to rabbit hunt. And if he goes off to go do some other kind of hunting, he's going to feel a little bit guilty about not taking his dogs Dude, and going hunting because he owes it to them dogs. I mean, that's what he bred, raised, trained them to do, or she. That's what they raised them to do, and that's what they feed them to do. And for nine months out of the year, they don't get to do it. And then you're going to jip them by going on some other hunt. See, but that's what good thing about rabbits. That's my excuse every time I go bird hunting. But a good thing about <laughs> rabbits is you've got February. Yeah. You've got you've got months that's a lengthy season. Yeah, and you've got months that are nothing else is happening. So you can man, you bring it. it. Man, that's a can of worms right there that we shouldn't even get into. But I'm going to say it anyway. What, dude? You're talking about you've got February to a small game man. That's all you've got is February because nobody wants to let you come and have permission on your place from September until February. Yeah. Because everybody's deer hunting and yeah. the, common misconception is is that oh somebody's going to run rabbit dogs and be out there with a bunch of dogs it's going to ruin my deer hunting which is absolutely not true i mean you can easily do all of it not all at the same time but yeah you could deer hunt saturday morning and then turn the rabbit dogs loose midday saturday and rabbit hunt all afternoon and your place would still be just as great as it was before but common misconception is is that i don't want anybody out there disturbing my deer during deer season so rabbit hunters and small game people in general generally take a back seat to big game hunters and it's really really not a traditional way or the thing that should happen because pretty much the rabbit hunters put a lot more money into conservation through all the time he spent with these dogs and how much dedication he's got to it versus the deer hunter who's going to go what three four saturdays a year you know, what's the difference there? Whoa. It's a big difference in dollars. That's a can of worms you just opened. I told you it was. I'm very passionate about that subject. Uh, and the reason I am is because I grew up with small game dogs. And I know how it is to take a back seat to a to a, a big game hunting relationship. Oh, you're a small game man. Oh, yeah. You might, as well, you might as well be the top advocate for small game. I've got one more thing I want to talk about. Go too. ahead. Um... <clears throat> I don't know if I've said this on the show, but it's getting worse. Um, I'm Yellowstone really ruined me for fly fishing. Like the last two times I've been out, I Where went this. this I went this past weekend. I did not have any fun. <laughs> I didn't. Have, I didn't have fun at all. I went. Um, if you don't like, if you haven't been listening to the show for a while, I went to Yellowstone 
um, and Montana and Wyoming uh, last year in July. And it was like all dry fly, big trout, just action the whole time. And ever since I've come back, it's just, especially this time of year, I think it's this time of year, but like strike indicator fishing and subsurface fishing and catching like 10 inch trout. It's just, dude, I'm so, it's so, I'm so bummed out. I'm so bummed out. Like I, I fished, uh, coming back from our trip up in the mountains. I was like, let's stop over here and fish. And we fished for like an hour, 45 minutes. And I basically was just like, I'm not having fun. And we packed it up. (laughs) Time to start catfishing. uh, Catfish with a small game of fish. Yeah, something big that's going to give me a tug, you know? Oh, yeah. Hey, look, man, I understand that. I don't know. That that came out of left field, but that's how I feel. (laughs) I can't stop thinking about it. Did I tell you about the fly fisherman I encountered on my last grouse hunt? Yeah. Dude. Speaking of small game and not knowing about it. Just go ahead and tell them what what they asked. He asked me, well, we were at the same pull-off. And I was getting my stuff together to go up the mountain. He was getting his stuff together to go into the stream. And he said, well, what are you hunting? And I I told him I'm hunting grouse. And he said, he proceeded to say to me, what is grouse? I did not know how to respond to that other than, huh? (laughs) And uh, he said, what is grouse? Not what are grouse, not what is a grouse. Yeah. What What is is grouse? grouse? And I said, you know, it's like... You know, I explained to him it's a bird about yay high by yay big. And he's like, so this is a bird. I said, oh, yeah. I was like, I was going to ask you if you'd seen any around, but uh, you probably <laughs> wouldn't know if you had. And then I just left. <laughs> End of the conversation with that guy. God, that's weird. He was having a big time fly fishing. Was he? I think, uh, he seemed like he was. Mm. But Look, I just need to find my fire again. Hey, rabbit hunting might be it. Well, no, it, I think I can find it again in fly fishing. I just gotta. Just I'm just waiting fly for. Rod. No, I'm waiting for spring, man. Trade that fly box for a dog box. Ooh. And trade that, trade that fly rod for a uh, piece of crap, double barrel, four ten. Get after them rabbits. Um, maybe in springtime when bugs start coming out and fish start rising, I'll I'll catch it again. I'm sure I will. <laughs> but right now, I'm just not. Well, it's not. Well, happy. that's it. We appreciate you listening. Go see Back Country and Beyond. Get yourself some new gear. That's oh, wait, hold up. What, you got something else? Yeah, let's just talk about the land trust a little bit. Things we ah, got, what's the land trust? Things, <laughs> things we got coming up. Well, we talked about, no, we didn't. So, yeah, this is perfect, perfect segue here. Things we got coming up, end of the month, the Dixie Deer Classic. Mm-hmm. So, you can come see us. We'll be, I don't know if you and I are going to be, Work in the booth the same Since day. I'm not moving that day, I'm actually going to be there. So so we'll be there the same day. Probably, so yeah. You come by whatever day that is, we'll let you know. I think it's Saturday, Friday or Saturday. Um, come by the Dixie Deer Classic. Um, say hey to me and Sam. We'll probably have some free swag laying around for you. Um, if you come by and you're polite and nice to us. Um, we'll don't have pick on us. Yeah, don't pick on us too much. We'll have something for you. And you can go by and see Backcountry and Beyond. I think they're going to have a uh, booth with a lot of their gear that they uh, sell in the store. They're getting the word out about it. So you can go by and see those boys, too, and see what kind of customer service they're actually able to offer you, which is absolutely bar none. So come by and see us at the Dixie Deer Classic uh, end of the month. If all this talk about hunting rabbits and grouse and woodcock and other 
flying and running critters has got you intrigued. A good way to practice for that and prepare oh, I like where you're for going shooting some game on the move would be our Conservation Classic Sporting Clays Tournament, uh, which is on March 20th, Friday, March 20th. Uh, it is our third year doing it. It gets better and better every year we've done it. Uh, we will have a we will have a big crowd there. Um, a lot of businesses do it. So if you've got a business that you think yeah, you it's like to, a corporate shooting event. Sometimes, yeah. Some a lot of the a lot of the teams are corporate teams where they're taking a day. They're supporting a nonprofit, supporting conservation, and they're getting to also go out and shoot sporting clays. The you know shooting you pay your fee to get in. You get lunch. You get the course. You get. I mean, it's just. It, it's You're a beautiful rap, place. It's, I, mean, I mean, yeah, rappels. it's all kinds of cool stuff. So um, definitely check that out. It's on our website, threeriverslandtrust.org. And then the following day, if if shooting sports aren't your speed, which um, if shooting sports aren't your speed, you probably haven't made it this far into the episode because that's all we've talked about this whole time. But uh, if you have, thank you for sticking around and um, – if you're a paddler, even if shooting sports are what you like, but you also you know like, what I really like you combining also like, paddling and shooting. No, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm waiting. Yeah. <laughs> but if you uh, if you also like other things or combining them, and you need to train for shooting sports and paddling for your paddling slash shooting trip, dude, I just we have had a great idea. We have the uh, well. Let me finish this. Let me get to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Rocky River Paddle Race on the 21st. So it's the day after the Conservation Classic. It's March 21st. Um, It'll give you a good chance to see a part, a new part, if you haven't done that paddle before, uh, of the Central Piedmont, see our region, hear a little bit about the conservation work we've done in that area, and get on the water. Uh, March, late March will be a great time to spring. will start springing, and you'll have a good time out on the water on a beautiful day, and I uh, hope you can make it out for that. You ready for this light bulb? Yeah. I have an idea I got mm-hmm. right here. This is a new Olympic sport. Dude, a paddle race slash sporting clays tournament all in the same thing where you're in your kayak the whole time they're thrower throwing ski over the river and you gotta bust. make it white water oh it's gotta be white water <laughs> and every every clay you bust shaves a minute or so off your time that way even if you don't finish first if you bust all the clays you're still the winner I'm way into that mm. I don't know how that would I don't know how you could work that out where it wouldn't pollute the water you'd have to figure that one out but biodegradable biodegradable steel shot biodegradable clays and steel shot there, you just solved that problem. So, uh, yeah, look forward to next year. We're going to have what we call the <laughs> shadow, which is the shooting paddle trip. <laughs> Spring of 2021. Spring of 2021. Coming at you. If you're like us, you're riding down the road listening to the podcast on your commute. When you get to where you're going, don't forget. Like us on Facebook. Check us out at our website, threeriverslandtrust.org. There you can find out about all the events we're putting on all the conservation work we're doing, how you can get involved, and how you can help. We'd love to meet like-minded individuals and get you involved in conservation. Till next time.